This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning, everybody. Well, it's good to be here. What a beautiful Lord's Day morning. Good to see everybody, all these smiles and beautiful people before me with beautiful hearts is what I love so much about our family here. I'm going to be talking to uh, Hebrews 12. And I'm going to start by saying, how do you feel this morning? Did you give it your all? Did you run your best race? Did you leave it all out in the field, as my coach used to say? Did you run your race? These are the questions that I started off a a talk that I had last week in Mansfield, Arkansas, to about 50 cross-country high schoolers, a Division II school. And the coach invited all the Division II schools in this area, the top runners in each of those schools, to join for an invitational in Mansfield. I was asked to talk by the FCA, and I took that opportunity. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit with what I shared with them. But that's how I started off the talk with them. Did you run your race? Isn't it interesting to imagine such questions directed to us by our Father in Heaven as we stand before Him after our life on earth has ended? He'll, of course, know how we ran. But that's something that we can ask ourselves. How are we running this race before us? Can you picture the Lord saying that to you? As a runner, I'd like to share today with how I believe the sport of running seems so fitting as an analogy to how we live our lives as Christians. The training, the thrill, the struggles, The disappointments, the endurance, the stretching, the refining, the recovery, the focus, the dedication, and the perseverance that are needed in running all describe well to me the places that we find ourselves in our Christian walk. You probably could, given a little thought, identify with each one of those things that you talk to running about. My hope in this lesson this morning will encourage you you, and paint a picture for you to see from my experience as a long-distance runner for years how I see that running mindset is very useful in everyone's life. The skills you learn, the dedication that you practice, the work ethic running creates will serve you a lifetime. So I want to talk to you about three primary things this morning. Talent work ethic, and adversity. So let's start with talent. Talent is often described as your God-given ability. Something that you're born with, such as your height, your build, your aptitude. Clearly, each of us has our own talents. But to be performing at the highest level with those talents, you can't stop with talent alone. That's just a place to start. 
Your persistence and determination in your pursuit of your talent is needed for success in that area. Calvin Coolidge, our 30th president of the United States, once wrote, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination are alone omnipotent. It's ultimately how we use and develop our God-given talents, isn't it? Let me share with you a familiar proverb, a parable from the Bible. And this parable is the parable of the talents, which I know you're familiar with. It's taken from Matthew uh, 25, 14 through 30. So you have a man, this master, they refer to him in this parable. And he has three servants, and he's going to go on a long journey. So he has the first servant come to him, and he gives him five talents. To the second, he gives two, and to the third, he gives one. And after being gone a good time, he returns and is going to settle up accounts with each of his servants. And he calls the first servant to him. And the servant came to him and said, Here, master, are your five talents. And with those five talents, I made five more. The master said to him, very happily, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in little, and I will give you much. The second one came to him and gave him his two talents and said, Master, here are two more that I made with the two talents you gave me. The master again was very happy with him and he said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in little. I will give you much more. And finally, the third servant, he called. And the the third servant said to him, Master, you are a hard man. I just buried the talent that you gave me. Here it is. I did nothing with it, but here it is in return. The master was very upset with this third servant. He said, you slothful man, why did you do nothing with it? You should at least put it in the bank to earn me interest. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But the one who has not, even what he does have, will be taken away. Use Your God-given talents is the message that rings true for me in that parable. Have you ever thought deeply about your own talents? Those areas that you have the most confidence in your abilities? The things that come naturally. The abilities, those areas that uh, when you do them, you just do it fluidly. People often will recognize when you're using your talents. Is it singing? or music. Maybe you're just very friendly and able to pick up a conversation when you notice somebody's uncomfortable and maybe doesn't know anybody. Organizing or cleaning, uh, maybe cleaning up after a get-together, you just find your very servant heart mindset. Comes very naturally to you. Don't even need to be asked. Maybe it's feeding your family or maybe it's the hospitality of organizing a fellowship or perhaps building with your hands or repairing something electrical or mechanical. Maybe it's writing or expressing encouragement through the written word or creating or drawing or painting something beautiful to look at. Maybe it's problem solving 
or you're a good mediator between people to help them solve problems. Maybe you're particularly good at complex logistics or schedules. Maybe it's teaching or coaching someone to do something, to overcome a challenge, or taking care of people in need of help, either physically or mentally or spiritually. God has given each of us talents. Our challenge is to discover them, develop them, and use them to give God glory. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as to the Lord rather than to man. Can you sense that deep feeling of fulfillment and joy when you use your talents to help others and bring God glory? I think there's, there's nothing better than that. I, and I find that often when we work together as a church family, helping somebody. I can think of doing a lot of things, but I don't know that anything just fills me up like that, you know? I love this quote from Eric Little. He was a Christian missionary. We've talked about him before. He was a missionary in China. And uh, he won the gold medal in the 1924 Olympic Games. And he was the main character in the 1981 film, Chariots of Fire. He was one noted as not wanting to run an Olympic heat on a Sunday because that violated his convictions. And he didn't. He ran a different race. And that's what he took the gold in. He said, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I think that's a neat, that's just really neat, isn't it? What do we do that we can just feel God's pleasure in what we do, that talent we use? You know, Eric used his notoriety as an Olympic athlete to draw crowds to him so he could share God's word. You may have heard of a long-distance runner from the 1960s or 1970s from Coos Bay, Oregon, by the name of Steve Prefontaine. They called him Pre. Pre is considered a legend, even to this day, in high school, running the mile and the half mile. He was extremely fast. He broke the four-minute mile. He was best known for his tenacity in the use of his talent. He said, and believed, it is quoted saying, to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. That motivated him when he ran like nothing else. He just felt like anything other than his very best every day doing what he did was sacrificing his gift. That gift was clearly his talent. Lots of athletes have talent. But talent alone is not enough. To pre, his gift was running and was not something handed to one fully developed, but something that had to be pursued with tenacity and diligence. Pre credited his success with hard work and always giving his best. Well, the second point I want to talk to you about today is work ethic. And whatever you do in life, if you want to be really good at something, you all know it comes down to doing hard work. Excellence only happens on purpose. When we achieve a high level of success using our talents on a consistent basis, it's more likely not because of talent alone, but because your work ethic, your willingness to press forward, working hard, being diligent, 
Building good habits, being disciplined, striving to improve each and every day. To get better running, do you run only when you feel like it? No. How about parenting? To be a good parent, do we only parent when we feel like it? There are surely days I don't feel like running, and there are surely days I don't want to parent. I think most could identify with that to some degree. Maybe not Super Dad Dane, but it hits home with me. <laughs> Maybe once in a while, Dane. How about a musician? You want to be good at the piano. Do you just practice the days you feel like it? No. I think anybody good at anything tells you, yeah, you know, you, you just got to log the miles. Yeah, you just got to log the hours. You've got to put the time in. And it's not what, like, the weight room placard said when I was in high school. It's not the hours you put in. It's what you put in the hours, you know? So it's just not counting off the minutes. I'm done. Check the box. It's really working hard, giving your full self to it. Or maybe it's your occupation, making a living, you know, giving your best. Dane, when the fire station siren goes off, do you look around and decide if you want to go on that call? Of course not. You do it, right? Not just because I feel like it. I, I do it. That's what I do. Or the skills that you need to, to help people in those situations, got to constantly be improving them, the life-saving skills, training that it takes, sharpening those skills to be better at it. Or a mom, when the, your kiddos are hungry for lunch and you're at home and you're like, nah, I'm full, I'm good. Y'all take care of yourself. Emmy, you... Get your own lunch. Of course not. You do it. It's dedication. You young people, when you have an assignment due for school, you know, do you just do it? Ah, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to turn it in on time. Abby's shaking her head, but I know it's not true. You got to do it. You do it because you have to. It's a life lesson. A competitive runner logs the miles, whether they feel like it or not. To perform your role well, each of you knows you must be faithful in your work, diligent and striving constantly for the incremental improvement, being faithful in the little things. That's work ethic. Now let me bring you to my final point, adversity. For an athlete, adversity in their training or competition can take many forms. An untied shoe at the start of a race or in the middle of the race. Have you ever had that when you're running or doing something like that or maybe getting bumped by a competitor or you have sore muscles? You know, it can throw you off. And if you're competitive, you think about these people in the Olympics or these high level invitationals, track, whatever, right? I mean, it's not... Maybe I'll do better tomorrow. No, the competition's over. And in an Olympics, it's like, I gotta wait four years and if I'm not too old. So there's tremendous pressure, right? So you have to train to expect the unexpected because there's not a second chance sometimes. Fortunately, as us parents and our occupation and what we do, you know, we wake up every morning and we get a shot to do it again. 
you know, and we want to strive to be better. I like this story. Michael Phelps, who is an Olympic swimmer, won, swimmer, won 23 gold medals, and, and it's like 78 total, right? It's just tremendous. An amazing athlete. He talked about his coach, Bill Bauman, and how he trained him day in, day out to expect the unexpected. One of the things that uh, I thought was interesting, he said the coach used to make him swim in the dark, turn all the lights off in the gym, in an auditorium. Or he'd fill his goggles full of water to make him foggy. You know, it was in the Olympics. Um, I think it was the 2008 Olympics. Michael Phelps was swimming the 200-meter fly. 25 meters into it, his goggles started to fill with water. He said, and I had 175 yards left, meters left. He was totally blind, could not see at all. And because he had practiced that, he didn't give up. He not only won, he broke the world record swimming blind the last 175 meters due to practice. Isn't that amazing? He's taken his job serious, seriously. I thought that was just a pretty amazing story of you don't give up. I mean, he'd have every excuse in the world. How many times have I, like, well, the situation wasn't perfect. I don't have to give it my all. You know, all my shoes untied. I'm not going to win. You know, whatever. You, you just know the situations, right? You show up to a job and you don't have your tools. I can't, I can't work well today. Or got a flat tire on the way to work. It's going to throw up my whole day. Or there's no coffee in the coffee machine. You know, I'm not going to have coffee. You know, I'm not going to be able to work today, right? I mean, but, you know, you can just take each of those situations that just allow us to just totally get off track. Olympic medal winner in small caliber rifle shooting and now performance coach, Lanny Basham, and you may have heard me talk about him before, in his book, With Winning in Mind, talks about overcoming adversity during competition using mental imagery and practicing through those unexpected moments. He actually had practiced shooting in the snow and it ended up, it was a summertime event in like the Switzerland and he had to shoot in the snow, it started snowing. And the flakes, and they're shooting so far away, the flakes, he'd had to shoot between the flakes dropping so he could see his target. I mean, wouldn't you feel like, man, you got every excuse in the world just to, you know, not, Today wasn't my day. Sometimes we'd like to do that as parents or on the job, but we know we got to press forward. And that's the overcoming adversity spirit that we as Christians want to have to always be that good example and to bring God glory. The purpose is trying to anticipate anything that can throw you off. I should not be surprised if I go home and then tonight, I'll work, I'll get tired from working, you know, sometime during the week or tonight or whenever, and one of my kids doesn't want to go to sleep. And he wants to be really difficult to put to bed. Should that throw me off because I couldn't expect that? It's like, no, I can expect that. And I can practice how I should respond to that. That's hard. I don't know about you, but that's, that's a hard one for me, especially when I'm tired but I can practice that. I can get better at that. I never feel good about myself when I handle it poorly. I can expect that. It's going to happen. 
sometime or another. This is useful in athletics. And I can, again, look over my week, the last week, as being a husband, a dad, or on the job. What adversity did I face? And what I can do better to be prepared for the next time. If you were asked, would you like a bar of gold that is 10 carat or 24 carat, which would you pick? Which would be more valuable? Well, if you know anything about gold, you'd say, well, 24 karat, right? 24 karat gold is considered the most valuable. Do you know there are multiple ways to refine gold? They use electricity or electrolysis. They use acid. They use furnace. It'll get up to like 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, you know? Those are just a few things, and what they remove are the impurities, the dross, as it's called. If you ever use solder, maybe in high school or something like that, in shop class, if they had that, they had that when I was in high school, you know. And so that solder pot, you could just see the scum on the top that would come out. So that's what I visualize when I think of dross, you know. And that was that heating that gets that out and makes it molten. Well, when you look at a beautiful necklace or a ring or a earrings and you see that gold, you know, you can think about that purification process. And it's like that for us. As we go through life at times, it will feel like high temperature furnace or an acid bath sometimes, you know. And just picture this as the refining process that God uses to remove those impurities from us and to make us more like him. We know that such trials bring us humbly before his feet, but that is a good place to be. Nothing to me, nothing brings me closer to the Lord than where I feel I am totally helpless, and it's usually in those types of situations. Something that I'd rather not happen, but... You know, I'd rather rely on myself. I'm in control. No, that doesn't. Usually I'm closest to the Lord. I'm like, oh, Lord. Don't let adversity, such as for a runner, which is bad weather, an injury, or something like that, cause you to take your eyes off your goals. And I know we here today have goals as how we want to live our lives and how we want to be with Jesus someday. We know Job faced adversity. In Job 23.10, he says, When he tested me, I shall come forth as gold. When we face setbacks, changes, or challenges at home, with family, or work, we can ask ourselves, what is God's purpose in this? Instead of, why is this happening to me? You know, sometimes we just have to say, Lord, what are you teaching me? Trials are the furnace that burns away the dross of impurities in our lives. God uses those to make us more like him. Tommy Rivers Puzzy, called Rivs, is an elite trail runner and an Ironman triathlon. I mean, well-known. He's in the magazines and whatnot. He's got a much better beard than I do. But, uh, yeah, it's true. He fought cancer for two years, and when it went finally, I mean, 
tough guy, right? This is a tough guy. Cancer had him down. And he fought it and fought it. And he's in remission now. And kind of a mantra, mantra that, that he came up with is not today. Not today. And because of his notoriety, that kind of has spread. You know, not today, cancer. You're not going to take me today. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, that's kind of a, a mantra for, for others in that running community that are battling various obstacles. You know, not today. Maybe there's something in, in our own lives that we got to say, you know, not today. That is not going to get me today. With the Lord's help, that is not going to get me today. Not today. For us, is it secret sin or broken relationship that uh, we need healing? Or maybe it's unforgiveness in our life. I encourage you, don't carry these burdens like, a, like an athlete or a, a track star trying to do the 100-meter hurdles with a 50-pound backpack on. That's what it'd be like carrying that kind of baggage, unforgiven sin or unforgiveness, surrender to Christ, letting go of the bitterness. The writer of the book of Hebrews knew we would face adversity and temptation when he wrote in chapter 12 after speaking to the faithful men in the prior chapters, Abraham, Moses, David, Gideon, and so on. He said, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside also every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand on the throne of God. You know, something I told these young athletes last week, and I want to emphasize it to our young people here today, it would be something to remember all your life. Life will throw you curveballs. It'll be very difficult at times. It just will. You can count on it. Allow these trials to draw you closer to the Lord. Don't push them away. Use them to draw closer, to get on your face before the Lord. Like the servants of the parable of the talents who re were rewarded, Luke 16.10 tells us, one who is faithful in little is also faithful in much. This is what we strive for, particularly as Christians. We strive to be Christ-like. Vince Lombardi, who's considered probably the greatest professional football coach in history, said, strive for perfection, and along the way, you might reach excellence. That's what we do. Do we feel like we're going to be perfect like Christ? No. But that's what we strive to be Christ-like. To continue on in Hebrews 12, we read further, striving against sin and the urging, the extorting from God, the Father in heaven. It says, in, <clears throat> starting in verse 5 of chapter 12, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. Don't faint when you are reproved. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline, that is our training, 
that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? You know, when those things happen, have peace in that. We want to be sons of the Lord, sons and daughters. So in conclusion today, I hope by this lesson, like an athlete such as a long-distance runner who's training to get better every day, we too are growing and developing as Christians who want to exercise a work ethic for life and service to God, a work ethic that is built over time, a faithfulness that starts small and grows daily, and our God-given talent fully utilized to bring Him glory. Similar to a competitive runner, long after the medals and accolades are over, long after the applause of man fades in the face of life, we want to be found faithful. You want to know that you gave your best working hard every day to get better. My high school coach in cross country would say to me, run your race, not the other guys. Life is like that. God made only one just like you be the best you can be. Don't compare yourself or your family or your job or your situation. God has you exactly where he wants you to work from. Furthermore, you young people, as Proverbs 27, 17 tells us that iron sharpens iron. Strive to surround yourself in life with the kind of people that are around you here today. We fellowship here to sharpen each other, our friends and our family. This is a group of loving people with a can-do attitude and solid work ethic that are humble before the Lord. The accountability and encouragement from such a group as this is huge in life. It really is. Don't be a, a lone ranger thinking, I got this all my own. When you go to college or you move away, you're by yourself. Find yourself a family like we have right here if you move away. You'll need it. So before I turn it over to Dwayne, who's going to lead us in our invitation song, I want you to think about this. Like the Olympic miler and world record holder Jim, Jim Ryan says in his book, Courage to Run, he said at the age of 25, he'd won all the medals, and no matter... What he still had, what he won, he still had an emptiness inside. He says, now he also broke the four-minute mile as a 17-year-old. Smoking fast from Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. He says that although he was raised in a Christian home and considered himself a Christian, he still had this void inside. He didn't know what it was. Do you believe that God made each of us? I do. I think there's too much evidence as we as humans to deny an intelligent designer. I'm convinced that God designed each of us specifically for him as we read in Genesis 1.26 and Isaiah 43.7. But I believe until we finally and fully decide to give our life to Christ, to commit to know him as our Lord and Savior, we will have emptiness. There will be this unfillable void deep down inside. That is also God's design, I believe. 
He made us for him. That's what those verses, if you read that scripture, tells us. Jim Ryan, in, a, in his book, says it wasn't until he gave himself fully to the Lord that it filled that void. Today, if you've been thinking about, for a time perhaps, your relationship with the Lord, and you've been kind of halfway or maybe compartmentalizing separately your faith from the rest of your life, today is a great day to give it all to the Lord, to be 100% for the Lord. It was at this point when Jesus hung on the cross that he had all the sins of the world on him, past, present, and future. It was on that cross that he died. He was then buried. But unlike any other, our Jesus rose from the dead as a new creature. He was resurrected to be with God the Father in heaven, making a way for us as the sacrificial lamb, for our sins to be forgiven. And in Romans 6, 4 tells us, if you have not been buried with Christ in baptism, putting to death your old self to be made new, then like Christ, be the glory of the Father. Raised up from the waters as a new creature, today is a wonderful day to do that. Not because I said it or because we have any special water in the tub behind me, but because that's what the scripture says we are to do, to be buried with him, to be raised anew as a new creature, not the old self, shedding that. Just like Christ, all the sins of the world were on him. And when he died, they were forgiven. He was our sacrificial lamb. And maybe perhaps you've been buried with Christ in baptism, but you would want to ask for prayers and support of the people here, your brothers and sisters. As we stand and sing, I would ask you to come forward and do just that. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479 647-2658. May God bless you.